Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Testing, one, two, three, four. Hello, Mark. Hello, Mark. It's working. <laughs> Stand down. Mr. Joe McGranahan, obviously a, a novice to the microphone directly no, just across. Just trying to me. fill in the gap while you were playing with the controls. Rob Centers, our fabulous <laughs> producer, our first guest of the morning is all set. You're listening to On the Mark on WDKOK. Cliff Readers is an attorney. He's a partner in Readers, Travis, Humphrey, Waters, and Dorman. I have his full vitae here. It's about seven pages long, but suffice to say, he's a board-certified trial advocate in Williamsport and past president of the Pennsylvania Trial Lawyers Association. And when you see those big red dots on the power lines around here, you can thank uh, some of the work of <laughs> Cliff and his colleagues. Am I right? Yes, I'm glad you remember that. Very good. All right. Impressive. So those, that's right. <laughs> they prevent planes from hitting the power lines. So, right. so right. I have other Fire. power line questions, but I'll ask those at another date. So thanks for calling in, attorney. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Cliff. Good to hear yeah. from you. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. How you all doing? Hanging in there. How about you? Good. Yeah, it could be better. Great. Thank you. Well, let's start out with the U.S. Congressional Commission. It doesn't look like we're going to get uh, the bipartisan uh, version out of the U.S. Senate. But uh, how helpful could that be? Tell us uh, your view on this impasse that's that's happening, and 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 legally, how important or unimportant is it? Well, the bill in front of me, and uh, I'm sure this has, as you say, has morphed through a lot of versions, but the bill that was read the second time it placed on the calendar for May 20th of 2021 was a bipartisan bill. It had an equal number of, uh, you know, minority and majority members on it. And, uh, you know, therefore it was to me, you know, fairly benign, um, it, you know, it, in terms of its scope, you know, it was clearly focusing on the Trump um, uh, campaign because sec- subsection B of section 4 um, uh, says that one of the things they would investigate would be campaigns. How campaigns, uh, they're not looking at the Democratic campaign, right? How campaigns may have factored into the motivation, organization, and execution of the domestic terrorist attack on the Capitol. So they want to look at the entire nature of the campaign, which is quite, you know, quite broad. And we normally don't see congressional investigations like that. You know, they have to be more focused if they're going to do any good at all. You know, so, um, you know, clearly it it has a political motivation, but at least there was a bipartisan, you know, membership. Now, I don't know how that has morphed, you know, since then, but, uh, you know, commissions are, generally speaking, um, a waste of time. They publish long books. I mean, I can't tell you how many commission books I've read in the course of my career, and very few of them really um, had much to say, had much to say that is long-lasting. I think the 9-11 report was a good report, but it, but even the 9-11 report, for example, was not able to look into the role of Saudi Arabia because, you know, the Bush administration had sent them home, um, and sent home the Saudi Arabian diplomats who may have been involved in that. So, you know, the commission reports are only as good as the researchers who do them. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's basically, 
you know, that's what people have to understand about them. So, well, you know, we don't know. There'll be some. There'll be some kind of investigation. There'll be some kind of commission, but it's going to be politicized. Well, let's say they had, uh, Cliff, let's say they had actually enacted this bill, and I understand they may revote it. They had six Republicans cross over. They're hoping to get another four. What would be the end result? I mean, would it result in criminal charges? They they can't really do that, can they? So let's say they come up with a smoking gun. What do they do with it? Well, so then it, it goes to the U.S. attorneys or the local district attorney's office to prosecute it. So all they can do is investigate. They're like sort of like a grand jury. You know, they can issue subpoenas. At least as they draft this legislation, they can issue subpoenas. They can have hearings. They can have public hearings, and if they develop some, you know, information. As you say, a smoking gun. What does a smoking gun mean? It means that they they develop some sort of evidence that demonstrates direct participation by an individual in a creation of the riot. Well, you know, we obviously know there were there, there were people who are directly involved in trying to foment this riot. The the question is, how high up do they go? You know. Um, you know, I had, the, I had the very interesting experience in my lifetime of working for the lawyer, uh, Henry Rothblatt, his name was, who defended the men who broke into the Watergate. And, um, and when they decided, when those men decided they were pleading guilty because they were receiving hush money uh, to plead guilty, he refused to represent them in a guilty plea. Um, and as a result of that, uh, you know, there was a lot of talk about, well, who was paying this money for them? And I remember going to Henry Rothblatt when he laid off the staff, because we all were out of a job, when he decided these guys would plead guilty, and asking him, well, who do you, who do you think was involved? And he said to me, uh, Mitchell and Stans. Uh, Mitchell, of course, was Attorney General of the United States. Stans was Commerce Secretary, I believe. Uh, but, you know, he didn't say Richard Nixon, and he didn't know at that time it was Richard Nixon. That didn't show up. That didn't come till later on. So even with all the investigation in the world, you know, sometimes it is difficult to know how high you know, misdeeds and misdoings go. And I don't think this particular commission is going to develop anything that we don't know, um, except that it will keep the pot stirred for the next election. And is there any hope that uh, either a commission or some other investigation will lead to something positive, maybe a, uh, you know, a recommendation that security be tightened up or that, uh, you know, more communication take place or that, uh, you know, somebody who didn't have enough authority in the past gets that authority they need? Yeah, so if you had a serious investigation by some, you know, security-type people, police, or people from, you know, several big cities who really know something about security, and those were the people who were doing the investigation, you had a blue-ribbon panel of, you know, folks who have an expertise in, in that sort of thing, then you might get something out of it. You may get recommendations. I mean, clearly there was a massive police failure here. There was lack of communication um, between and among the, the D.C. police. Um, who were, you know, who were not aware, apparently, or if they were aware, kind of blew off the fact that there was a crowd headed for the Capitol. So communication, or, you know, what, what lawyers and police uh, people call infrastructure failure, is what this was all about. Um, really, however, what a lot of folks in this commission would like to do is they would like to investigate the campaign. That's really what they want to look into, the tone of the campaign stir up people to come down there and attack the Capitol, because that is, that's their number B. You know, that's one of the most important reasons. They say it right in here. Influencing factors, I'm reading from the legislation, influencing factors that contributed, not caused, contributed. Well, gosh, you know, lots of things could have contributed to the domestic terror attack on Capitol uh, and how technology, including online platforms, financing, and malign foreign influence operations, malign foreign influence operations, that means bad guys, 
and campaigns may have factored, may, not did, but may have factored into the motivation, organization, and execution of the domestic terrorist attack. So, you know, you're using terminology that we and in, in the people in law enforcement don't use. You know, we talk about proximate cause, we talk about a legal causation, we talk about cause and effect, uh, you know, in a, in a way that's more than conceptual. This is may have factored, this is contributed, this is, a, so this is an attempt to do a kind of a sociological experiment along with an investigation. Were they going to look into, let's say, Nancy Pelosi's responsibility? I mean, we had this discussion here yesterday. You can't have responsibility without accountability. She was responsible for the security at the Capitol by her oversight of the Capitol Police, and yet she failed to act in a timely way. Did they want to look at that, too? Well, so, of course, you don't know. I mean, I read to you what it's about, and it, would, it conceivably could include that, right? Um, but the, the wording of this, the wording of this is clear that they're looking at one particular campaign. Um, the, what, what's behind this is to, look at, uh, is to look at the rhetoric of the Trump campaign and management of his political affairs um, as to the extent to which that stirred up this, this particular riot. That's really what this is about, because it says that's what it's about. You know, we have to like, read it. So, um, you know, how, again, I think an investigation would be good in terms of the police failure and what led to this particular group of people being able to have that, that you know, sort of um, uh, ability to enter the Capitol by police and, and by law enforcement. That would really be a worthwhile investigation. And conceivably, this commission, if you get a commission that's bipartisan, which you won't, but if you did, you know, they could hire people like that to do that kind of, those types of, of investigations. But uh, I don't have a great deal of uh, belief or feeling that you're going to really get anything out of this that's going to be worthwhile. And, you know, the truth is that, that these kinds of investigations normally don't deliver any good information for 10, 20 years after the event in question. You know, I wanted to recommend to everybody, all your listeners, and to you guys as well, to read Deliver the Vote uh, by <laughs> Tracy Campbell. Uh, one of the very few books out there, History of Election Fraud and the American Political System, from starting from 1742, right. 1742 to 2004. It's really, really interesting book. So one of the motives of this author was really the 2000 campaign between Bush and Gore. That's why I really wrote the book. He became curious about what happened there. And uh, it, it's interesting how, when you look at events in retrospect, how they change. So in 2000, he points out that it was the, um, it was the Democrats who were carrying on about uh, mail-in uh, ballots because they believed that the Florida election was flipped for Bush, and that was done as a result of votes that were counted from uh, military folks and mail-in ballots. And it was the Democrats ranting and raving about mail-in ballots and how yeah, unfair that was and how that could corrupt the system, right? Now you fast forward to, to you know, to uh, 2020, and now you've got the, op the opposite side of that same table. So, you know, it took Tracy Campbell, uh, how many years to write this book? 2004. He's looking at it until 2004. This book was published in, uh, you know... Um, 2008, was looking it? at this 20, 15 years ago, right? Right. It's a great book. I read it once when it came out, and I started reading it again, but I'm only up to Samuel Tilden, so I've got a way to go to catch yeah, up with but, Tilden you know, Hayes. Clearly, that election, <laughs> was decided, that election was decided by fraud. Yeah, no as argument. Nixon election, as was the first election of, of uh, uh, Harry Truman and Lyndon Johnson, and, you know, there is a fabulous amount of corruption. Um, so, you know, when you have these independent commissions that are basically political theater 
Um, the likelihood of getting anything useful, the way at least it's constructed now, is minimal. Well, let's talk a little bit about the voting issue, the, these voting bills that are surfacing. I've watched the media coverage of them quite extensively, and I love how the so-called liberal media or mainstream media talks about them as if it's absolutely a proven fact that these are voter suppression laws. Yet in my reading of them, it just looks like they're trying to say, okay, we had a pandemic last year, we need to get back to normal, and we need to put a few safeguards in to make sure that people actually actually are uh, the person who should be casting the vote. How do you see these laws? Do you believe it's worth all the political angst that's taking place in, in like Atlanta and Georgia and, and now in Texas? And do you think yeah. they're actually so the answer, bad laws? Yeah, so the answer is it depends what's in the bill. I'm glad you read them. I did, too. Um, so, for example, the Texas bill is two different bills, right? There's, there's, uh, there's House Bill 6 and the Senate Bill 7, and they're very different. They're very different. I mean, clearly, one of them is quite benign. Uh, number six by Kane is by, and should be enacted throughout the country. All they want to do is make sure the people who vote are really people eligible to vote. And you know, there's nothing. There's nothing in most of it is internal housekeeping stuff to make sure that you keep a ro- proper rosters and you cross off, you know, electronically cross off the names as people vote. You know, it doesn't really even affect the voter in particular. Um, the other bill, Hughes' bill, is yeah, is more expansive. And, you know, I found one section in it that I thought, well, you know, I don't think this is really necessary. I mean, what does this really do for voter, uh, you know, suppress voter fraud? But you clearly, absolutely clearly, we have a terrible voter system in this country. We are, you know, so far ahead and we are so advanced in so many ways, you know, electronically as a nation and in terms of the sophistication of the Internet. And yet when it comes to voter, you know, voter protection, we really are ancient. You know, I have to tell you, my mother was a poll watcher, a dedicated poll watcher for years and years and years. And I remember as a little kid, my first exposure to politics, I remember that was a big thrill. I got, I got to ride in the back seat of the 1953 Buick, which was an old car then, I'm not that old, uh, that I could, uh, when my mother drove the votes to the, uh, to the county capital to be counted in a, in, in a box with a, a lock on it. You know, an old-fashioned lock. And they put the lock, they counted the votes. The ladies counted the votes. It was usually women, a couple of men now and then. They counted the votes. They put a lock on the box. My mother drove them to Mineola, to the county seat. You know, and that's how it was done. And we're really not that much more advanced today. You know, we're doing that sort of electronically. And some, in some areas, we're actually still driving the votes to, uh, you know, to the county seat, like in like Coleman County, for example. So and in many, many of these rural counties, it's still done that way. So we absolutely need some election laws that get the system to work safely and efficiently. Uh, one of the biggest problems is vote harvesting. And if you read the Tracy Campbell book, your book, I mean, he really described what that is very effectively and how, uh, how much that's used. And that is, of course, vote harvesting. Is, is, are people who are paid, sometimes paid, sometimes unpaid, who uh, get ballots to, to certain voters, um, tell the voters how to vote, the elderly usually, sometimes minority folks. It could be anybody, though. It doesn't have to be any particular audience. And, uh, you know, make sure they're filled out the way the vote harvester wants them filled out, and then they go, you know, and they're counted. Uh, vote harvesting is a big problem in American elections, has always been, and still is. And so some of this, a lot of this legislation prohibits that, simply makes that illegal. You cannot pay another person um, to, uh, to, to go to somebody else and tell them how to vote and collect their vote. But that's routinely done in, in many places. I recall working in elections myself as a lawyer. You know, I was working to, for one party or another or for the county. And, uh, you know, they, they, certain po- political parties, the political parties, and they both did it to one extent or another, would send folks to the nursing homes 
um, with ballots to get the votes, tell people how to vote and collect them and bring them back. Some states would outlaw that uh, under voter reform. But that's something worth having a debate about because, you know, it cuts both ways. You know, and um, you have the issue of military votes, how they're counted, how they're collected, how they're kept track of. Uh, that was something Democrats were always concerned about. Um, so, you know, there's a, there does need to be comprehensive. Now, if you want to do something, instead of having this commission about why the Trump campaign caused people to want to go riot, it would really be great to have a, a very good, um, independent, comprehensive study of voting laws in the United States and try to get some uniformity between the states and on the federal level to clean up the system so we don't have dead people voting, we don't have names on ballots uh, of the people who haven't voted in, in 40 years, you know, that kind of thing. It amazes me yeah. that, that, that a lot of people, including my friend Mark over here, get hung up on this identification issue and asking people to have proper identification, either a photo ID or a driver's license or something. And he always says, well, there are some people who just can't get, can't get some form of identification. But most of these bills are rather benign, and they'll, they'll accept utility bills or some other form that has your name on it. You know, is there anything inherently racist or anti um, vote uh, by requiring somebody to properly identify themselves? Well, it's, what's racist and bigoted is assuming that certain uh, portions of the population are not competent enough to get voter ID. I mean, that always kind of bothers me. Uh, you, you can't go get a beer without, without an ID. <laughs> I forget where I was where uh, recently, maybe it was in Maryland or somewhere, where they asked for my ID in a, in a liquor store, so I sort of I joked around. I said, I, "I, you know, you can't tell it. I'm over, you know, 21." And they said, "Oh no, we ask everybody." And I said, "I'm just curious. Does everybody have, you ever had anybody not have?" No, he says, "Everybody's got something with their picture on it." He says, we, we, you know, we never run into a problem with that. Old, young, black, white, everybody. So, I mean, I think that's a hobgoblin. I mean, I just think that's kind of baloney. Uh, you know, if you're saying an individual because of the color of skin is not capable. Um, or their income level or where they live is not capable of getting, you know, complying with a voter ID. Uh, I just don't get that, why we would why we would hold people to a lower standard for that reason. Do you so, know of... Uh, I, yeah, I don't see any issue with voter IDs. I don't see anything inherently racist about it. It's about vote harvesting, again. It is really about vote harvesting. And um, those parties, traditionally, you know, you look at American history, those parties that appeal, for example, to immigrant populations, uh, you know, they wanted laws to be as lax as possible. Those people who did not appeal to those populations or didn't think they were going to get those votes, uh, you know, they wanted those people to be able to prove their legitimacy. So a lot of people, you know, hark back to the days of poll taxes where, and again, you know, Tracy Campbell talks about that, where, you know, really black people were disenfranchised in this country um, after Reconstruction, and they were. They were disenfranchised. They were prohibited from being able to vote. They were shot. They were killed. I mean, we do have a bad history of that. You can't deny it. It shouldn't be denied. But that doesn't mean we can't have reasonable laws and legislation today that impacts everybody equally. What about vaccine passports? Uh, some folks so those say those are onerous and unnecessary. Others uh, say it's a, it's a good thing to confirm that people may be getting on a plane or something. What's your view on the legality of those? Yeah, so the, my view is that the government, generally speaking, has a right to protect its citizens under the 14th Amendment, and how far that protection can go, of course, is always a discussion and debate. So, for example, my wife and I, we're going overseas to visit one of our kids that we haven't seen in almost a year and a half, 
And, you know, we were told we have to have our vaccine. They don't call it a vaccine passport, but we have to have our little card, you know, that we all got showing that we got the two vaccines, or we can't get on an airplane for overseas travel, and we won't be admitted into the country we want to go. And some countries in that country where we are going to, to visit our kid um, will require us to have a blood test upon arrival to show that not only do we have the shot, but, in fact, we have the antibodies. Now, yeah, it seems a little excessive to me. I mean, we'll, yeah, we'll do what we have to do to see our kid, but it does seem to me <laughs> that's a bit excessive. But so to protect the population, you know, um, societies have some obligation to do that. Now, you know, if you're going to say should, to the government mandate you can't go into a bar unless you have a vaccine passport, now you're dealing, now you're addressing individual rights. Now you're encroaching upon the individual rights of the bar owner. That's different from the government saying, you know, we don't want you on an airplane where we, you know, we control the skyways, right? So, I mean, I think it depends what the requirement is, um, when it's imposed, for what purpose, and how reasonable it is under the circumstances. Anything you'd like to add on these good topics that we didn't get a full chance for you to discuss? Well, you know, all of these topics become, you know, I have to tell you, Mark, and you know this, you know, they all become political hot-button issues. You know, one thing that I like to do, you know, I've been on this show a lot, is to kind of step back from the politics of it and look at the reasonableness of it. And, uh, you know, you find in, in different areas people want different things based upon their political views, and that changes suddenly. You know, um, uh, you know I've been in a situation, I, I talk a lot about constitutional law, and I always kind of chuckle about it. Um, depending upon what part of the Constitution you're talking about, you get support from the left wing or you get attacked by the left wing, the same with the right wing. You know, certain issues, people so yeah, I'm all for it. If the First Amendment protects my right to be religious, uh, I'm for that. If the First Amendment protects my right to um, you know, criticize my neighbor's politics, I'm against that. So, you know, a lot of, uh, it is very difficult when you're looking at these political issues to see them with any, you know, degree of objectivity. Because what we have as a result of social media, I believe, is every issue is used to, to is distorted in some way um, to you know, rally a particular group of people behind that cause or against that cause. And, you know, people take little snippets of things. You know, you can read these bills, these voter bills, and, I mean, I'd, re- I'd rewrite some of them. Uh, you know, I, I'm shown bills all the time by pe- people in Pennsylvania. I must have looked at about 450 pieces of legislation in the last 40 years, and I frequently rewrite them or change them so that they're more balanced and they make more sense or they're more understandable. So, you, you know, you can look at any bill that's written uh, or anything that's done, you could say, well, this is intended to hurt this group or help that group. And sometimes that's true, and sometimes it's not true. And sometimes all they need is a little bit of tweaking. But, um, you know, I, I hate to see the extent to which social media, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff, is really used to drive political wedges between people rather than educating them. Amen. Uh, Cliff, we're out of time. As always, we thank you for taking the time to be with us. It's always a joy to have you on the program. We enjoy your opinions, and you've got an open mic here anytime you're available. Thank you very much. Good luck to you, and be healthy, and be happy, and take care of yourself. You too, Cliff. We'll be back in touch. Thank you so much. Uh, Cliff Reader's attorney, Williamsport uh, partner in uh, Reader's, uh, Travis Humphrey Waters, and Dorman, board-certified advocate in Pennsylvania, and past president, not just a good member of, but the past president of the Pennsylvania Trial Lawyers Association. So that should answer the first question that one of our listeners texted us. What political party is he registered with? I don't think that's that's material, because Cliff work for both political parties, as he you made clear. He, well, he never, an attorney. He never makes uh, statements about his political party, although he was uh, nominated to be a federal judge under President Obama, or President Clinton, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
you know, maybe that would indicate some Democratic ties. 1-800-795-9565. You'll need that during the 9 a.m. hour when we enjoy open phones. We will be right back. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. So I guess Cliff put you in your place. Well, yeah, the idea of uh, voter ID law, we know that it disproportionately impacts minority voters, and we know there are certain individuals, but the question, and that He no, disagrees with you. Well, no, he didn't specifically address that, and I didn't ask a follow-up question, but uh, we do know that we do know for a fact there are certain individuals that can uh, not get an ID, and we know for a fact it disproportionately uh, impacts Democrats, but we, what we, we no, we do you, don't know those things for facts. Oh, well, yeah, we you do. You believe you know them as a fact. I don't agree that they are facts. You don't know them. There's no argument that you don't know them, but uh, people that are more knowledgeable in this area, like me, do know this to be fact. Oh, those brown eyes are shining today, brother. <laughs> <laughs> All right. To be continued, we'll take this up when we have a quorum back at 9.06. Enjoy the CBS News. Then we'll have some local news headlines. I'll tell you about the Sunbury Motor Company and a great truck I'm going to be driving in the months ahead. If it ever gets here from the uh, computer chip factory, uh, we'll be talking about that shortly here on News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury, 9 a.m. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on board WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe, mayor of Shemokin Dam, in charge of volcanic response from Pima, is with us and does a wide range of other things. He's a Hall of Fame broadcaster with the Pennsylvania Association of Broadcasters and a veteran of radio. He's been talking into a microphone since he was about eight, and that's 60-some years ago. And so he is with us. He's a good conservative co-host now. Natural-born listener, anything that get past the Fox Funnels is fair game in his view. So okay, You read mine, and now I will say, gee, Mark, you're strikingly handsome today. Mm-hmm. That oh. was my requirement of the contract, just as yours April was. on the radio. Just as yours was, of going down my curriculum vita. And I have CNN, MSNBC funnels in my ears. And they're getting larger, too. I'll tell you, I can't see how you hear anything else. And I have several <laughs> receivers hooked up, too. The ACLU receiver is hooked up on the one side so that I can get special messages from them. The NAACP receivers on the other side so I can uh, easily 
vo- vocalize the things that they I was say. Trying to say you have a few open areas. What's sticking out of them? <laughs> <laughs> well, we we. Uh, we put other good. You're not going to touch li- that one with a ten foot pole. <laughs> That's where we keep the liberal, liberal, or the uh, I'm sorry, the voter ID legislation. Is that That's where we where, keep that? That's it? where okay. it's stored. Fair enough. Uh, all right. On the mark is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. You can check them out at sunburymotors.com. Toll free line now open. Call us now one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. You can email us at on the market at the koka.com, and you can text us at seven zero two three six. Always include the keyword OTM. Some very brief news headlines. Statewide hospitalizations associated with COVID-19 are now below 1,000. There have been no new deaths in the last few days. In their daily update Tuesday, that include numbers from over the holiday weekend. State Department of Health has said there were 989 individuals hospitalized with COVID-19. Of that number, 248 patients are in an intensive care unit in Pennsylvania. Local hospitalizations are down. Geisinger's down to 32 patients. That's down about a half a dozen from the week before. And uh, there is a decrease at Evangelical Community Hospital in Lewisburg as well. Now that uh, we are transitioning out of the pandemic, the Pennsylvania Acting Health Secretary, Allison Beam, says we have to continue to closely monitor cases, deaths, hospitalizations, and residents should take self-responsibility and people should heed the remaining recommendations. That's more indicative of why we want to lift the mitigation orders and really progress safely to even lifting that masking order so that folks can self-regulate and be able to bring back some activities that maybe they were engaging in pre-pandemic times. She says those individuals who are vaccine hesitant, they are offering some education to help them make their decision. Another Valley County's moved to the low category of transmission of COVID-19. Snyder County joins Montour County in the low category. The rest of our valleys listed as moderate. Penn Live is reporting today that June is Pride Month and an illegal flag displayed outside the Pennsylvania Capitol Tuesday marked the occasion. Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman chose to mark the beginning of this month celebrating LGBTQ culture and rights by once again displaying a pride flag on the balcony of his state capitol office despite knowing a law exists prohibiting it a law passed in 2020 bars the display of any flag other than the american flag on the exterior of the pennsylvania capitol the lgbtqia plus flags that i fly he says quote are from my office and are technically breaking a law yet pennsylvania does not explicitly protect the lgbt community from discrimination. This must change. We must never stop pushing for equal protection under the law in Pennsylvania and across the country. Unquote. Fetterman's flag was confiscated by the Department of General Services over the lunch hour while staffers were at lunch, according to Christina Kaufman, Fetterman's spokesman. <laughs> they wrestled the flags to the ground and they were able to secret them off. So, And I'm sure that will stop it. He, he doesn't have any to replace them, I guarantee it. Not. All right. one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five is our telephone numbers. You're looking uh, number? for something you nope, lost? Nope, just want to make sure I'm really done with the news. I am. I okay. really am. 
I, I think that Cliff made an excellent point, you know, that it, it, it is the, I guess, the low expectations to say that people can't get an identification if they really want one. But, you know, you always say uh, that it's uh, against certain groups. What about and, uh, that there are certain people who can't get identification, but there are certain people who can't write? You know, so should we not use signatures as a valid basis for comparing if someone can't write? If we're not going to teach cursive well, everybody writing, has a signature whether you can no, write or not. No, we're not teaching cursive writing anymore. So how are we going to have signatures? We're going to have people printing in block letters. That's not going to work. I think the key is to, if, if you really want to talk about voter ID, is to go back to the beginning. Why are Republicans? You know, there's no issue with fraud. We're not having a dilemma with that. You know, there's no actual dilemmas associated with fraud. Fraud. So they want to make sure that. They they cut down on the number of minority and Democratic voters that can go to the polls. How are they doing and this that, is Mark, an, by just requiring? I mean, I'll agree with you on. I'll agree with you on everything else. I don't care about. I don't care about whether they allow drop boxes as long as they're secure. I don't care whether they have early voting as long as it's secure. I don't have any problem with any of that. The only thing I want to see done is that people have to properly identify themselves as legitimate registered voters, and whether you want to allow them to register easily, and that certainly can be done easily to register people than just to prove that they deserve to, pick, to cast that vote that they're casting. If the voter ID is that simple, that would be fine, but there are... No, I'm not saying that getting the voter ID has to be simple, although I think it should be once you've proven yourself, but here's my feeling. If we're not going to require people to identify themselves in the most fundamental right in our, in our constitutional republic, the right to vote, then we shouldn't allow government at any level to request identification for anything. We should just take people. We're going to take your word when you vote. We're going to take your word when you buy a gun. We're going to take your word when you buy a car. We're going to take your word when you take out a bank loan. We're going to believe that you are who you say you are. Upper right-hand corner. All right. I, I assume all these people that are against voter IDs are just as concerned about the requirement for ID to purchase a firearm and are in favor of eliminating the requirement. They are both constitutionally guaranteed rights, are they not? Right, Good but point. you do need an ID for those uh, products. Oh, yeah. no. Now we're going to take that away because it's unfair to certain. It's unfair to white people. <laughs> well, if you're saying it's unfair to black you people. Could, <laughs> uh, you could argue, although no one has really forwarded it very much, that if, if you require an ID to buy a gun, which you do, that's a national law, then that would exclude certain people from buying a gun. They would have to be given a gun Well, those same people would someone. be excluded, you know, for voting, would they not, if they right, didn't they have they proper identification here, for a gun? Here's the rub. We... The key to the voter ID laws in Pennsylvania, you know, you have a uh, you you're well-meaning. You want to make sure everybody votes uh, that is the person they say they are and they're registered and, and that kind of thing. So that's fine, but we know that that's not why Texas is imposing a voter ID law. We know that's not why the Pennsylvania legislature is doing it. They're doing it so they can reduce the number of Democratic voters. That's the wrong motivation. But if they let's suppose they're going to do it under this umbrella of making sure that everybody votes that is the right person, then Let's make sure that they help everybody to get an ID to help reduce the cost of a birth certificate or to get to the driver's license center, you know, if you don't drive or something like that. But you're presupposing a problem that may not exist. Until we actually get to the point where a thousand people are saying, I can't get a voter ID, we don't know that there's that problem. 
Right. Well, the, the whole issue is chasing after a problem that doesn't exist. But that's another Not topic. Not really. I, I don't, I don't well, think there's no that... there's voter fraud. I, we know that Whether to be there's true. voter fraud or not, don't you want to make sure that there is, in this modern age, where Russians can hack our meat industry and Russians can hack our pipelines, don't you think it's entirely possible that someone's going to find a way to cast a large number of votes they're not entitled to cast? Right. Don't well, you think we yes. have a vested interest in making sure that doesn't happen? Absolutely. There were dozens of votes cast in the last election uh, illegally for President Trump. So that has got to stop. But I think if you're of going course, to... Pa- Biden's skirts are so crystal clear and well, clean. Name, name the person who voted illegally for President Biden. Well, there were quite a few uh, instances where there were uh, questionable votes cast you for mean, both parties. I'm mean, not going to say... In, no, but no, Biden's not... The no, dead, no, 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 no. The dead people up in Wilkes-Barre were the all The dead people in Chicago were all Democrats. All right. Well, show me the, show me the empirical show data Show me the that. empirical data from uh, Scranton, Wilkes-Barre. Oh, okay. Well, I'll look it up. Okay, Google. <laughs> you won't find it. County voter fraud. Okay, Google. Voting their dead Chicago party. voter fraud. Oh, it says dead there's only three voting. cases from Luzerne County. I lied. It's not right, a half a dozen. 27,000 from Chicago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the key is that I don't have any problem against voter or with voter ID as long as you help people to get it. This idea of onerously excluding minorities and but How is it onerously excluding minorities to require Because you don't help people ID. that have trouble getting 5%. You don't five know to that 10%. they have it. Uh, as Cliff pointed out. Oh, we do that, know that. That's insane. People, he said that they went to that liquor store in Maryland. He told the story, and he had every, <laughs> they card everybody, and everybody had a card. Well, that's because people with an ID do not go there. That's why nobody Without gets turned ID, away. Maybe. Right, right, if they don't have an ID. All right, let's get some calls going here. We're talking about voter ID. It's a perennial topic, and we know that Stan, if he's listening, is already yelling as loud as humanly possible at the radio. Give us a call. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. You can email us at onthemark at WKOK.com, and you can text us at 70236. Uh, Bobby, you are first up today. You're on the mark. Go right ahead. Yes. Um, good morning, everyone. Uh, just recently, I got a, uh, I'm going to say, through the process of getting a real ID. And I think in uh, some cases, it's, it's, it's a good idea. I mean, for a real ID and a v- voter ID, somehow, possibly, that could be tied together. Um, of course, of course, I had to produce my birth certificate, and mm-hmm. then, of course, uh, my address, and then, of course, I did have the um, utility bills and all that to prove, um, you know, where I lived and everything. And as far as people in nursing homes and all that sort of thing, I think that, uh, you know, some extension of the ID reform or whatever you want to call it, I think they should do that. How much did the ID cost you in the end? Um, uh, thirty uh, $60. And how far but did what you they have did, to... Okay, but what they did was they gave me a, an, an extended driver's license for another four years. But the point here is that no one is requiring real ID to vote. No one is requiring that. So your point is what? Well, the, no one's making that requirement. They're the, not saying you have to have the real the ID to vote. The voter law in Texas has the exact same requirements of the real ID. They're the same. So you would have to pay the same uh, costs. And and how, uh, Bobby, how, how far the, did you have to drive to get that? 
Uh, I just went over to Seelands Grove. Seelands Grove, okay. Super. But there is right. no requirement that that you need that to vote in Pennsylvania. No, that's no. Uh, we're talking about voter laws nationally. Pennsylvania's is a little different. All right, thank you so much, Bobby. Appreciate right, the you. call. Thank Thanks you. for calling in. 1-800-795-9565. Stand by, Chris. We'll be right back. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. We invite you to do what I have done, and that's drive the Mustang Mach-E from the Sunbury Motor Company. Just a fabulous uh, car. It's an SUV, so it's all-wheel drive. It's got a couple of two, three electric motors to run all the tires, and it is just as fast as humanly possible, zero to 60 in about five seconds. It charges in about six hours. If you got 220 handy, if you got a real charger, if you plug it into 110, it takes twice that long, so that's like an overnight uh, job. But it's it's considered to get 96 miles of the gallon, though it doesn't actually use any gallons at all whatsoever. It does not have a motor in it, a uh, internal combustion engine. It's only got a, uh, some, a great drivetrain that is run by electricity. It's got a range of about 200-some miles, so you can really use it around here to run all your errands and just have a great time. Uh, you have to tell it to make a little bit of noise so you don't sneak up on folks, but I'll tell you what, uh, for $57,000, it is the perfect vehicle. they got a mannequin of it down at the Sunbury Motor Company. You can pick out all the great accoutrements that you want on yours. Mine that I drove was all-wheel drive, five-passenger. Uh, had that infinite blue, that dark blue that is just so great to look at. Uh, it looks like it's two layers of blue, depending upon whether the sun is on it. And just a super vehicle. But they got a wide range of versions of it. So if you're thinking about going all electric, Sunbury Motor Company is the place to go. Start at sunburymotors.com if you so choose. They would just love to do business with you and get you in your next Mustang. Chris, you're on the mark. Thank you so much for patiently waiting. Go right ahead. Well, that was one of the weakest interviews I've ever heard go to, so you can take that as a backhanded compliment, I guess. Well, thank you. I contributed, though, too. (laughs) I helped make it weak. (laughs) Well, it was all those... uh, uh, Boy, I think blah, 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 perfect Republican position with, don't you think that, <laughs> type questions. Okay. With no follow-ups, no uh, getting to other issues related to the changes in the laws, mm-hmm. like the setting up the, for state legislatures to overrule election results by a simple political vote, things like that. Mm-hmm. Removing people from uh, positions of power who were an obstacle to Bush getting his uh, his uh, vote on January 6th, things Bush. like that. 
Mm-hmm. And let's talk about, uh, let's see, I think it was in Florida. The Republicans made some laws that they realized this might make it harder for our own voters to vote. So they thought, well, we really want them in there, though. So is there any legal way we can get exceptions? And they tried two or three things, and they all failed the equal protection law, so they gave up. But that looking for the way to get their elderly voters and and, uh, GIs uh, have exceptions to their rules, showed where they were going and why they were worried about their voters. And uh, a lot of the laws are like that. They, they look at how Democrats vote, and then they put limits, greater limits, on those types of voting. So the attention isn't really hidden very well. Right. That, that's what, I try to explain that. I try to explain that, but I get rebuffed at every turn. I, I think we have to think of what's the motivation to make these changes. It's certainly not they're not trying to track down on voter fraud or anything. They just want to give Republicans an edge. That's pretty much with most of them. Okay, what else? What else? Well, let's see. What were we talking about yesterday? We could go into some of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, Joe's not engaging you, so... <laughs> that takes the wind out of your sails. Well, there's very little. little point in it. I mean, I disagree with Chris. I don't think all these laws are necessarily designed to just stop some Democratic of voters. Some they, of them, then? They apply. Some of them are? There are provisions. You didn't hear what I said, obviously, so I, there's really little point in me repeating it. But I oh. did say that I had absolutely no problem with all the other things they want to do to expand voting rights. But as long as we require proper identification along the way. I'm not in favor of, of anything that suppresses anybody's right to vote as long as they're voting legally. And and the fact that I can't get passed is that and those of you on the left, let me finish, let me finish, let me, let me finish. Those on the left want to say that requiring some form of legal ID is an impediment to voting. I disagree. I'll agree with you that some of the other things are impediments to voting and they should not be enacted. But proper identification is not one of them. Okay, so uh, with proper identification, and you agreed with me once, it would be a good idea just to uh, grandfather it in. Grandfather identification in? Yes. In what way? Wait, All I, new voters I, you need, mean, need uh, the ID you're talking about. Well, I don't see any impediment to people getting the ID they need. I mean, well, okay. let's let's Suppose, face the If there's let me a problem, give you an example. Suppose the ID you've been using is your driver's license for most things, which works most of the the time. You don't need the birth certificate for too many things, and you're in a nursing home. Your license expires. So you you don't drive anymore, so your license expires. You let your license. Expire. I didn't say that it had to be a driver's license, Chris. I just said I whatever form of ID it, we're requiring. I'm just giving you an example. Okay. Well. Now, in order to. Uh, you're not paying your power bill. And when you say the, that the only state that did that was Georgia, and the power bill uh, is usually only in one person's name, so that only covers one person. That doesn't cover other people in the households who might be voting. 
just well, so we're clear on that. Well, let me put it to you this way. Just because your license has expired doesn't mean it's confiscated. <laughs> and no so one you, said they you, don't accept expired licenses. I don't think for ID unless you are putting that into the law. Well, I'm saying that uh, uh, if they're accepting utility bills, why wouldn't they? Goes, a lot of people if they are accepting utility bills, if they are accepting utility bills as a form of identification, I don't see why an expired driver's license, perhaps provided it contains your photograph well, and your likeness and your signature, but also. Democrat voters are centered in cities, right? Where A many lot people of city don't drive. people do not have driver's licenses because well, they uh, don't need them. And regardless of this argument, we know that having an ID have to be law reduces voter turnout. We already know that that's true. When you impose stricter ID laws, turnout goes down and it primarily impacts Democrats. And when you make people spend money or spend three hours at a driver's license center getting a photo ID... It affects poor people. Well, then let's do it. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's make it illegal to require any form of identification for anything in this country. If we're not going to require proper identification okay. for the right if to vote, let's not require. What's ridiculous about it? You're saying that oh, there are all these problems. I'm not saying that there's not any identification required. So what do you accept? What do you what do you think in the Chris uh, Christopia? What is the proper form of identification well, for voting? Uh, how, 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 did, how did people get registered now? They have to provide identification and go to the registration place and sign up. Right. So why do you change it? I'm not changing it. I, I'm just saying what the proper identification <laughs> should be. Why are you supporting changes in it? I'm saying if they re- are required to provide identification, it should be the same identification they're required to show every time they vote. And what identification have you showed when you vote the last uh, 20 years? Well, the law doesn't currently require it, so uh-huh. I haven't had to show any. Now we got to it. You haven't needed it, so now you need something extra if you don't have... What you use no, we're talking about right? ma- we're talking about making right? we're talking yes about no. we're talking about making it standard across the whole country, and I think proper oh, identification. Was, okay. Listen, we're talking about Listen, expanding the, the voting Democrats rights. Have a bill there, Chris. You're talking you you're talking about expanding voting rights. You're talking about things that we've never done in this country that we did in the pandemic that you now want to make permanent. Okay, I'm all right no, with the, that. The, I'm all right with that, but I want proper identification because of the pandemic. Most of them. I I want proper identification. If you're opposed to that, then we're never going to agree. And I want I want uh, weekend voting, Sunday, Saturday, and Sunday, and uh, longer and, early voting, and some other things. Yes, sure. And vo- let's have vote harvesting too. Let's allow that. That's a good one. Oh, uh, what's that got to do with vote harvesting? What is vote harvesting? Actually, do you think they have vote harvesting in the military? Maybe. I don't know. I'm not in the military, Chris. Right. You don't know. And neither are you. Exactly. And you, you don't either. Do you know where they have vote harvesting? Yeah, in the Democratic precincts in Philadelphia. <laughs> and the Republican and strongholds the of New York. the only place in the world. No, they have them. Chicago. New York City has Republican <laughs> strongholds where they do vote harvesting. That's a bipartisan issue. All right, we've got to get another caller but, going. We know, will give you a... how people are voting illegal. And then make laws for it. Simple. So, in other words, words, we should not enact any bank robbery law until we see how people are actually going to rob banks. Oop, I think we got cut off. We did uh, not uh, finish our conversation. Okay. Uh, Cindy, you're on the mark. Thanks for calling in. 
You know, the irony of this discussion about people having to have a picture ID to vote and then uh, people objecting to this just blows me away. You know, when, during the pandemic, they had those testing stations. Were you paying attention? You had to show up with a picture ID. ID. Yes, indeed. When you get medical care in the hospital or other places, you know what you have to have? A picture ID. If you want to buy cold medicine at any store... In Pennsylvania, you know what you have to have? A picture ID. I could go on and on. You cannot enter a federal building without a picture ID except for jury duty. I mean, there's the to suggest that this impedes people is to suggest that every one of those laws should be rescinded. I think Joe has a good point. Well, let's just get rid of all identification because if it impacts people's right to vote, it also impacts their ability to buy cold medicine. It also impacts their ability to buy alcohol. It also impacts their ability to drive a car. It also impacts, and even if people don't own a car in this city, they rent one. And you know what you have to have to rent a vehicle, Joe? (laughs) Photo ID. There you go. I mean, in, in Pennsylvania, we have put in place many mechanisms to help people get a picture ID that that do, even if you don't drive you can go get a picture ID my god when i went to penn state i had to carry a picture ID everywhere i went to get the services within the university i'm sure that's sure it, that is true at every university many schools now public schools issue children picture IDs you know i, I just think this is a spurious dis, uh, argument that this is going to disenfranchise masses of people when we have mechanisms in place for them to attain a picture ID, and when socially we have reached this tolerance level that you can't even get a cold pill without a picture ID, which, by the way, was a law they made to try to stop people from buying cold pills and turning them into illegal drugs. I think you make a lot of good points, and I, and I think that's important. But we have to understand what the Republican-led states, their motivation is for imposing stricter ID laws or any voter changes that they're doing now. It's to just take the edge off the number of Democratic voters. It isn't to bar people from buying cold medicine or to prevent them from renting a car or going into a federal building. It's to slightly reduce the number of Democratic voters. And we know in the past when a tighter voter ID law goes into effect. Voter turnout is lower, and it's primarily among Democrats and minorities and, and the poor. Get, so we know that that actually happens. That 34 million people could sway an election. 34 million? Sure. It was, yeah, what, 10 million difference million people, in the last could they sway an election? No. 34 million people couldn't do it, Cindy. What's your point? <laughs> How many do you think you'd need to sway an election? Well, five in the last election. Because here's the problem. We Currently, there are 34 million people in the country living here legally, but they do not have the right to vote because they have not become citizens. How do you assure me those people are not voting? Well, I don't I mean, have that assurance. You can online. Uh, I, I think if we have paper, an illegal immigration problem, that, we should fix it. That's the voter it's suppression. It's not illegal immigration. These people are here legally. The illegal immigration adds another 20 million to that pile. Do you think 54 million people voting who are not allowed to vote is a problem. I do. So I think that we need to assure the citizens of this country, that people, whether they were born here or were naturalized here, whichever the circumstance might be, assure them that only the people that have the right to vote are doing so. And one way to do that 
is to insist that you show a picture ID and that you've attained that ID through the government and that that assures that you are indeed who you say you are. Even if it prevents I don't many people the from voting. With this. Right. Well, I, I don't know that I can fully explain to you what the difficulty is, but we know that that is the net effect, and we know that's the motivation no, we don't of know Republicans. That. We yes, do we not do. know that at all. We do empirically no. know well, Mark, from voter turnouts people? that okay, the Mark, turnout is lower if you impose a stricter law, and then the number of people who vote, particularly minorities, the poor, and Democrats goes down. And then they must be getting sicker because they can't buy cold medication because they don't have that proper identification. Jesus. Tested for COVID or enter a legal building, a, a federal building, or right. operate a motor vehicle legally. Yeah, all those yada, things. Yada, yada, yada. I mean, I mean, I think you'd be advocating for their rights there, too. Yeah, I don't think that's, you're. That's li- a mystery to me. I Why don't think you're no hearing what I'm for saying. All these other things they can't do. Wrap it thank up, you, Cindy. Gentlemen. Uh, thank you so much. Appreciate that. Hold on, Van. we got to take a break, but we'll take more comers. 1 800 795 9565. We are talking about voter ID laws. Joe's here to tell you that you should have to have an ID to do most things that you're required to do in the country with an ID, including vote in America. But we already know that that is a a tool used by Republicans to reduce Democratic voting, and it works, and they know that. So you're a Democratic tool. (laughs) That could be, I guess. 1-800-795-9565. Does that make you a Republican tool? Maybe. You and uh, who was it? The the billionaire used to... Say that one eight hundred seven nine five. Billionaire used to say that. Yeah, what's his name? Oh my God, Ross Perot. No, the other one. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. We'll be right back. Ever walk into a bank and borrow money without paying interest? Me either. That's why I'm excited to announce 12-month 0% financing is back at Peters. Hi, it's Bart again. If your old appliance is giving you fits, come see us at Peters. We deliver and service what we sell. Always. No 800 numbers, no strangers to deal with, no hassle. Choose from GE, Whirlpool, Frigidaire, and more, including Speed Queen Home Laundry, the best built, best back washers and dryers on the market. Whatever your choice, buy it today and take a full year to pay, interest-free. If you don't know Peters, you should. Our family has been selling and servicing major appliances for 60 years. We are your local appliance experts. Come find out what makes us better. From washers to dryers, refrigerators, and ranges, we can help with your appliance needs. And if your appliance ever breaks, just give us a call. Easy, great deals, good service, free delivery, and 0% financing. What more could you ask for? Peter's Home Appliance Center, Market Street, Sunbury. Financing with approved credit through Synchrony Bank. See salesperson for full details. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. Uh, we got an open line, 1-800-795-9565, talking about voter ID. One of our good listeners sends us a note. Says, Mark, when this subject is brought up, all you say is that it will affect minorities. Have you ever asked a minority person this question if they cannot get an ID? You are so racist to assume that they do not drive, own homes, work, or already have an ID. All right, well, let's start at the beginning. Uh, we know that it affects minorities. I do not know this personally. We just know that from monitoring the outcomes of elections and who cast ballots after voter ID laws were strengthened, that it does affect. I do not know this personally. 
I don't think I ever have talked to this. I've certainly listened to podcasts and so on where individuals who are members of minority groups, blacks, talk about how it impacts uh, minorities and blacks. But I would not say that I have spoken to them personally. Uh, if you're so racist to assume they do not drive own homes, work, or already have an idea. Yeah, I understand that, that that makes perfect sense. And Cindy makes a great point, too, that there's a lot of things that you have to have an ID for. But I'm simply saying that the GOP motivation for changing these laws is to reduce minority, Democratic, and poor voters. And we know that when they impose these laws, it works. Fewer people, these go to the polls. Well, regardless of how it impacts people, isn't it a worthy goal to make sure that the people who vote are legally qualified to do so? That's a noteworthy goal. I've never been against that. Well, then, so if that could adversely impact a lot of people. You should help people to get an ID. It could impact Republicans just as easily. Okay. There are uh, a lot of Republicans uh, in those nursing homes. There are a lot of Republicans who live in inner cities. And this one, please. All right. Good morning, gentlemen. Here is one experience with the new Pennsylvania driver's license ID renewal. We got a renewal notice for my husband's license in the mail. It said you don't have to go down to the motor registration. You could just mail this in and we'll send you last or use last year's picture. Sounded good to me, but guess what? Got his license back and right across the front it says you cannot use this for identification. Just sharing this to let people that have to have their license renewed, please don't do it this way. All right, Van, thank you for waiting. You are on the mark. And we got a caller coming in also. Go ahead, Van. Uh, do you know who doesn't you know who doesn't have voter ID? Illegal aliens. That's who doesn't have voter ID. You know, to survive in this society, you need to have a voter ID. I don't know of anyone that doesn't have one. And I doubt whether there's many people that don't have one that, that want to have one that want to vote. And your your remark about this is the Republicans doing this. No, we just want to have fair elections. I think it's across the board that we want to have fair elections. But in the cities where the corruption is so rampant that they want to have the ability to steal elections like was done this last election. Uh, the election was stolen. I hadn't heard that in a while. Thank you for bringing that up again. How many illegal aliens voted illegally in the last election? All of them. Well, there's no, there's no way. Yeah, every, all 11 million cast ballots. No, you're saying how many illegal? I, you, everyone, <laughs> everyone that was that didn't require a photo ID, and they were able to vote. That's how they voted. If photo IDs were required, then there would have been none that would have voted. You're, you're either question, saying that's you're, 10 Mark, to 20 million your, people. Your question was, how many illegal aliens voted illegally in the right, last election? And we know there's they 10 to 20 million. They all voted illegally. <laughs> right. If they I voted at all. I hear you. I'm not deaf. So, <laughs> so that's 10 to 20 Mark, million illegal Mark. aliens voted in the last election. And so did they all vote Democrat or were some Republicans also? You're still not hearing me. I'm saying Hello. if they voted at Hello. all, they voted illegally. I'm sorry, Van. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm just I'm just wondering, Mark, don't you understand that if photo ID would be required, then that would greatly reduce probably to nothing the people that are that voted illegally in this last election. Is that so hard to comprehend? Well, no, I, I get that loud and clear. I asked you a simple question. You won't answer it. How many? Well, illi- I hear your simple question. Joe says all of them. So that's 10 to 20 million. No, no, I'm asking no, no, no. you. I'm saying if any voted at all, they use your question was how many oh, you illegal. Didn't say any of them. How you many, said all of them. You said that. You said I you said, said if I any said of, how many, and you said all of them voted right, illegally. All of them who voted. If any of them voted, they voted oh, illegally. Okay. <laughs> so you should choose, use the word any, not all, if that's what well, you mean. Your question was. But well, the question is to Van: How many voted illegally in the last election? 
All of them. How many? All all that all that were ineligible to vote. Right, right. I know a voted, number voted illegally. How how do you how do we know the numbers? You know this this whole thing in Arizona that's going on now about the voter fraud out there, and it's it's going to continue across the country. And you act like you haven't heard about this, like it's something that I'm just making up. But there obviously you have precincts that had more people vote than were registered at that precinct. Now, does that send, set up any red flags to you or not? And that's the ten million that you're talking about. I didn't bring up ten million anything. I just I'm just wanting to have elections that can be monitored and and verified that the people that voted could are legal voters. And who in, who in this country doesn't have a photo ID for crying out loud? I know a guy that works down in the Harrisburg Hospital. There's a bunch of Nepali people that live in that Harrisburg area, and they have photo ID. They come to the hospital all the time. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five is our telephone number. Dan, you are next. Hey, good morning. Well, the nursing home can't get an ID is a red herring by Chris. About eight, uh, nine years ago, the, not the past president election, the other one, Pennsylvania was talking about having I photo ID. At that time, my dad was in Elmcroft Assisted Living at Lewisburg there. And uh, most of them people didn't drive. My dad didn't drive for at least 10 years before that. Only maybe one or two people in the whole facility drove anymore. But the, the administrator of Elmcroft, she got ID, photo ID for every person in there. Well, it turned out they didn't need it because the law wasn't upheld in that election. But so that you can get ID even if you don't have a license and all of that. He, you know, so every one of them had photo ID because most people in that age group vote. So. That's another red herring set up by the Democrats. Well, there there are other issues, too. I mean, we talk about people who are in nursing homes. You know, if someone has dementia, should they be allowed to vote? Is that Are they constitutionally guaranteed the right to vote, despite the fact that they may not be capable of fully understanding the issues or the qualifications of the candidates? You know, do we want to put those kind of restrictions on people and say that you have to be mentally healthy? Do we all have to have a sanity test before we can vote? You know, no. We don't require that. But requiring that you prove that you are registered to vote and that you are who you say you are seems to me to be fundamental i mean i I don't see how you can get around it i agree and even i know i had to identify many many years ago all i do now is i sign my name and in a small town like new berlin here everybody knows everybody anyway but you still sign your name on the dotted line right i can look back all the years I voted, uh, my signature hasn't changed a lot, but might be slightly different now than it was, but not significantly. But but yeah, they 
a town like this is absolutely no problem. You'd never get to vote twice. No, but that unfortunately that's not the norm. In places like no, Philadelphia and Harrisburg, problem. where where there are large numbers of voters assigned to the same precinct and that they don't know each other. That's, I mean, that's the issue. Vote. You're great host. You're great caller. Cliff Readers brought up the problem vote harvesting. That's been a problem for a long, long, long time. And what is vote and, harvesting? Yeah. What is that, that? You know, when you go out, get people to pay them to vote a certain way or whatever, and then they vote that way. And that could be an issue, especially with mail-in voting. Very great possibility when you don't have people going actually to the poll to vote. Well, more over, more over and above that, it's when you send out ballots by mail that weren't requested, as some right. states did. That's where the real well, ballot har- harvesting. That's where no, I, but when I, I collect them, it is. Them. When I collect it's, them and get them to yeah. vote a certain way, that's vote harvesting. Oh, well, obviously, that's fraud. All right. Yeah, Thank you so much. Right. Yeah. My, our point exactly. That's fraud. Right. Vote harvesting. That's I'm not exactly advocating for vote the harvesting. If they're going to have to get it right because the next election, especially presidential, if you have what happened this time, no matter which side wins, they're going to cry foul. But let's ask let's ask Mark this. Dan, Dan, let's ask let's ask Mark this question. If you're opposed to vote harvesting, what is the best way to stop that? Photo ID. All right. You Amen. Got yep, you Amen, got me on that brother. one. Thank you so much, Dan. Thanks for calling okay. in. Okay. Have a great one. Take care, Dan. Hey, you too, buddy. Thank you so much. All right, we got two callers waiting. We got to take a quickie break. We will be right back. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. Get that out of the way. Which, I'm which trying is to which? read this email from Doug. Get this he says, out of the way. Come on now, you're <laughs> killing me to death. Doug says so. Requiring a voter ID is okay. racist, but requiring a vaccine passport is perfectly fine. That sounds ludicrous when you say it out loud, but it's just the latest in the land of liberal lunacy. <laughs> All right, and that one. And Tom says, if you have the right platform, you don't have to worry about it, or don't have to worry about ID. Maybe the Republicans should be worrying about the platform that the majority likes, like the Democrats. All right. Uh, uh, no, you added the last word there. I know. Al, you're on the mark. You get 90 seconds. Oh, good. Thank you. Um, 
what would you rather have? Less illegal votes or zero illegal votes? Well, I suppose zero would be ideal, but you don't want to reduce the number of eligible people who can vote. Why not? Well, the <laughs> signature would, would eliminate a lot of the uh, illegal votes. Okay. Uh, which is, you know, uh, harvesting is an illegal vote. So you have all this to consider when you when you don't want to have ID. How easy are you going to make it for somebody to cast an illegal vote? Excellent point. What else? And um, 13% of the Democrats, if they knew what they knew now about the Hunter Biden scandal, would have changed their vote or not voted at all. Mm. And then the main thing I'm worried about is I still would like an independent forensics examination of and dissection of the all the machines that were used to calculate votes, the computers that were used to calculate the votes. You mean like and they're doing I, in Colorado? Right, and and why they let it go over the internet when that is illegal to, to transfer vote counts over the internet. And the election was stolen, right? The election was like no other election. It had too many anonymies. Anon- whatever you say. Too Anomalies. Many Anomalies. <laughs> too many things wrong with the, there the election go. for anybody to trust it that has a little bit of common sense. How about right. unusual occurrences? All right. We, we got you, Al. Thank you so much for calling in. Very, very much appreciated. Lots and lots and lots of folks share your opinion. All right, Dale, you're going to wrap us up today. Go right ahead. Yeah, I just want to talk about how the media is all about pro-government talk and conversation. It's not about private sector blue collars because right now we're going through inflation and the only way to balance inflation is tax the working class. And that's the only people are going to be taxed. It ain't going to be the rich. It ain't going to be the poor. The argument, they could just keep spinning the circles and say, oh, they're going to tax the rich. It ain't going to happen. You're just going to have to pay 70% of your income now. That's it, government. Pro-government pro talk. When you hear the Russian media and Chinese media are talking about private sector and working class, the United States is all about government. Every media outlet is all about government. So basically, two different classes in America. Government class, and there's the working class. Working class always lose. And so the working class is going to be taxed at 70%, you say? Almost. I mean, the way they're spending looks like it's close to that. And the Bar Association was on earlier today. Did you hear that? Well, that's, that's why they want to keep the argument going. They want to tell you. Democrat, Republican, we know that the old, you know, it's the Biden country. You guys just would never understand that. I mean, honestly. Well, you could explain who, it slowly. We might get government? it. Who's yeah. running our government? Is the Democrats running our government? No. Is the Republicans running our government? No. Is the Please explain yeah. it to us slowly so we understand it. We don't get it. We don't get it. Okay, we need you're, you're telling me Democrats run this country. I don't think so. I don't think so. Really don't think we well, said it, that. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Must be the it's, Bar it's, Association. The conversation, of, the conversation of private sector and blue power is out of the window. Okay. Makes sense to Not me. Not slow enough for me, but I'm sorry. I'll say it. I'll say it slowly after the show. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We'll be back tomorrow with another delightful conversation. This is WKOK Sunbury.